The NBA draft coming up. The NBA moratorium period started today, and the free agency period starts Friday, as I said in the beginning. So, we want to discuss the latest news and gift. James Harden, okay? James Harden has come out and said that he wants to go to Brooklyn or Philadelphia. But the latest I hear now is Adrian Wojnarowski just reported after turning down an extension offer to become the first $50 million guy in the league history. James Harden's message to Houston is clear. Get me to Brooklyn. Rockets and Nets have been in contact, but there has been no meaningful dialogue. So when when you look at the potential of this offseason, I see a lot of you know different players turning into different jerseys. For example, the Chris Paul trade, right? Chris Paul trade to OKC, I mean to uh, Phoenix from OKC. And, you know, Phoenix got Chris Paul and Abdel Nair, and then OKC got Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeQuay, and also a 2022 first-round pick with the number of protections on that pick protected one versus uh, one through 12 in 2022, one through 10 in 2023, one through eight in 2024, and unprotected in 2025. And that was reported by Shams, our guy Shams from Yahoo. So I, I just think, like I said, and, and there's obviously more trades to be talked about with the Lakers and Dennis Schroeder, you know, and OKC getting Danny Green in the 28th pick. Ultimately, what I'm trying to get at is we're going to hear a lot of surprises. Example, James Harden wanted to team, team up with KD. But I guarantee the asking price for James Harden is probably Kyrie Irving because I think Houston Rockets want, want Kyrie for, for the price of James and maybe even more at that. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, maybe throwing a couple of picks. But I, I just can't get over the fact that it's been this early and we're hearing about this amount of action and free agency officially begins on Friday. What what are your thoughts early on? Um, I think it would be downright hilarious if James Harden is traded for um, Kyrie Irving because I think it would be the ultimate kind of double turn from KD because he, you know, went in with Kyrie. Um, obviously, he was injured this past year, um, but he wanted to play with Kyrie. But it's almost like, you know, you're in the beginning phases of a uh, relationship with a girl, and all of a sudden, somebody that you that you used to date comes back on the market, and you know them and you like them, and then all of a sudden, things change. Right. So I think um, I think it would be hilarious because I think Kyrie is God. He, he's such an enigma. Um, there's more bad than good. So I think if Houston can somehow get Kyrie back for James Harden. Um, and, and I think if you're Brooklyn, I think you actually try and put Kyrie on the table only because that's less that you have to give up in return. Right. If it's Kyrie, Dim Witty, Karis LeVert, player, Karis LeVert and a pick, yes. you absolutely do that. Um, so I think you, honestly, if you're, if you're Brooklyn and you are serious about getting James Harden 
in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, you got to put Kyrie on the table or this is a non-starter. So I think it's interesting. Um, I think that I honestly, it would be fun if, if Katie and, and James Harden were on the same team again, Agreed. Um, just because it, it blew up in, in, um, in OKC a little bit premature when they traded Harden, um, you know, after their finals run to, to Houston. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see. And you know what, though? I think a lot of guys, especially um, with salary cap staying level, not going up or down, I think you're going to see a lot of teams start to start to wheel and deal. Um, you know, I've heard Drew Holiday that Denver's trying to get him. You know, um, obviously we have the Dennis Schroeder trade to um, to the Lakers um, from OKC. Green in the 20th pick, but... You know, I think um, I kind of like that trade. Um, I like the fact that Rondo is Rondo still under contract. Um, you know, Rondo and um, Schroeder are on the same team, kind of the same guy, but they're interchangeable. Uh, a guy that can give LeBron a break, just like Rondo did down the stretch. Um, so I like that trade, but I think you're going to see some some wheeling and dealing just because the salary cap is is at the same level as it was beforehand. And I think um, I think things are going to get wild. Anytime that's the case, you know, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and ultimately, I, I think that the talk with Kyrie Irving, if that is the case, if Houston's will, willing to deal him, um, it's coming from the podcast in which he said that they don't need a coach. I, I just think when when you when you tell yourself that, you know, this is going to be okay, and we don't need a coach, and Steve Nash just became your coach for many years, you're going to have, you know, just bad, bad karma coming at you for, for that purpose. And I, I think it's pitiful the way he has gone about with his career and just, you know, being really too upfront. Like there, there's a time where you can say stuff and there's a time where you need to shut up. And when, when Steve Nash just becomes the head coach of your team and you have a guy like Kevin Durant, who could potentially, you know, weigh weigh the decision because he's better than you? That that's when you have to realize that okay, maybe I shouldn't say this. And so, so big picture with Kyrie Irving, if he gets dealt to the Houston Rockets, that just shows you what what this guy is. Like no no team is comfortable with him on on their team, and, and I think Kevin Durant also. If, if that does happen, props to him for trying to get Kyrie out of town for James Harden because Kyrie just, he's, he's, he's very outlandish. He says some, you know, just incredulous things sometimes. And he, he's not the personality that Kevin Durant kind of gems with. So, and I get it. They had a moment, you know, all-star break and, you know, they were all excited talking under their, you know, T-shirts and stuff like that. But ultimately, Kevin Durant deserves better than Kyrie Irving. And I'll tell you what, if it's Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, I would, I would feel pretty safe for any other team in the East because I think Kyrie Irving would somehow mess that up. I, I, I think ultimately, you know, James Harden would get sick of Kyrie you know, asking for the ball all the time, and Kevin Durant trying to get his. I think what would be perfect is James Harden running point and have Kevin Durant, you know, be the 
you know, the guy that, you know, James Harden relies on. Um, you know, but again, Golden State, the, the trifecta with Golden State, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, that was perfect because you had a bunch of shooters that could all shoot the ball and had the capability of driving it and kicking it out. Whereas in Brooklyn, everybody, it's me, me, me basketball. That's what it would be. It would be the, the capability of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant all team up. It would be me, me, me. Give me the ball, and I'm going to do it. It's going to be isolation, one-on-one basketball, each, each uh, player taking their turn because these three type of players are the same exact player. They want the ball at all times, and that never, that never lives up to that expectation. You saw it with Russell Westbrook, and you saw it when James Harden wanted Chris Paul. So from a basketball standpoint, if I am Brooklyn, I'm I'm exactly what you said. I'm throwing Kyrie in that trade because I cannot have too many mouths to feed and then different players in the locker room crying about not getting the basketball and these veteran players. So I, I, I think the NBA is a very good game. And I just fall in love with it sometimes, especially because I'm a diehard Celtics fan. But if I got to see Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant on the same team, it puts a real bad my taste, bad taste in my mouth because I'm not a fan of Kyrie Irving. Oh, you're still going to watch. Stop. No, no, no. You mean, you mean I, the first Celtics-Nets game you're not going to watch? No, no, no. I'm going to watch. But what I'm saying is I, I just don't like Kyrie Irving playing playing along these type of superstars. He's, he's not. He won't be there. In, in my eyes, he's not a superstar. If they get hardened, they, 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 I honestly think they have to throw Kyrie in there. And, and listen, if you're Brooklyn and you try and throw this to Kevin Durant, because obviously Katie and, and Kyrie are boys. Right. Maybe because he just feels bad for him. I don't know why they'd be friends. But anyway. I don't either. Um, I think you go to Katie and listen, you want Harden? we got to throw Kyrie in. Otherwise, we're going to mortgage the future. Um, we're going to have to throw in Dimwitty. We're going to have to throw in Levert. We're going to have to throw in all these picks. If you want to win and you want to throw in less people in the deal and mortgage less of our future, we got to throw Kyrie in. Otherwise, we'll just keep you two. That's it. Um, and I think that's the way you pitch it to him. You know? And listen, Kyrie's there. I mean, excuse me, Katie's there for three more years. So he can either say yes and be, you know, be competitive with him and Harden or no and get ready for the, the headache. And look, KD's not a guy who likes to talk in the media anyway. And you know all they're going to ask him is questions about Kyrie, just based upon how this year ended, based upon how he kind of just packed up shop and left um, and, and was injured, quote-unquote. Yes. Um, it's funny how when teams lose, he becomes injured. That's strange. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what's up? Um, if, Let's kind of transition because we've, we've given Kyrie way too much time. No, no, I, I agree. But one more thing. I know you said the Lakers' um, Raja Rondo would still be with him. He opted out. So he's going to have oh, some suitors. Oh, he did opt out. Okay. Yeah, he's going to have some suitors when free agency opens on, on Friday. I just want to make that point. And very, very quickly before we get into the draft, Russell Westbrook, the Hornets are interested, but they don't want to give up the number three pick. I don't know how they're going to get him, but if they do, great. I think he deserves to be back on his own team. And one point on Gordon Hayward is a $34. million player option that has to be decided 5 p.m. tomorrow. 
Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald, says league source told him, all I can say is that a lot of people want him. So if you're Danny Ainge, you better hope you either trade him before that deadline and you find a team that wants him, or if if he's going to you know go into free agency, have him not sign resign with you because you get thirty four point one million dollars, you know, off the books as the player option. So I think ultimately Danny Ainge knows what he wants to do. I think it's a big prominent um, decision that he has to make overnight. You know, come five o'clock p.m., you don't want Gordon Hayward to to bank in his option uh, because then you have that money on the books. If you do, you can still trade that chip. But I, I think ultimately um, Gordon Hayward's gone. I think he's gone away from Boston. I don't think he's happy with his role. I think you know ever since he got injured, it's just been bad a bad aura all around for the organization. So um, give I, I think Gordon Hayward has had his last say, and I think he's out. I think he goes to Indiana, you know, possibly for Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo, possibly. So, I actually think he opts out. Um, I know $34.1 million is staring you in the face. However, you got to look at it from this perspective. A lot less teams are going to be interested in him at $34 million than he knows he's going to have to take a pay cut, Okay. He just is, based upon his injury history. Um, he has been pretty efficient when he's been on the floor, but right. he's not—he's not a thirty-four million dollar guy. However, if you want to get out of Boston that bad, you need to kind of take a step back to take a step forward. If you want to pick your shooter, then opt out. But don't. All I'm going to say is, don't complain to me if you're in the starting lineup or you're the sixth man coming off the bench for the Celtics. Come. December, if you opt in, because right. that contract is very, very high. Look at it. Considering yes. the output of of Gordon Hayward, so if I were to at gunpoint, I think he opts out because I think he wants to be able to choose his destination. Um, and I think I think Indiana and I think Utah are definitely the two highest suitors, just because he loved his time in Utah. Um, and he's from Indiana, so I think those are the two kind of major. And honestly, on that Jazz team, I like him on that Jazz team. I really like him on that Jazz team. He could now go he's back. Gonna take, he, he, he's going to have to take a haircut as far as the money goes. Yeah. But, you know, you put him with Donovan Mitchell and, you know, Rudy Gobert and kind of get the band back together again, that's not a bad get. Um, and if I'm playing, if I'm playing trade machine – I, I would trade Gordon Hayward in like a first rounder or two first rounders for Rudy Gobert um, and, and see what they say. They'll probably say no, obviously, but why not make a run at it? Hmm. I, actually don't, I actually don't hate that. I kind of like that for you guys. It could happen. Um, I think kind of an under-the-radar guy who might get traded um, is Drew Holiday. Um, I've heard his name a lot. Yes. And I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if you look in the archives – I said Drew Holiday to Denver like three weeks ago, just because it makes sense. Because it needs, because Denver needs another guy mm-hmm. um, to to help um, Jamal Murray kind of take some of the ball um, handling and decision making stuff off of his plate to let him flourish a little bit. I think that would be dynamite. I don't know. I, again, Gary Harris and insert name here. You can have anybody besides Joker and besides Jamal Murray. 
If we get Drew Holiday in return, you can have him. I don't care. Go ahead. Even throw. Listen. Even if um. Even if uh, New Orleans wants Michael Porter, okay, sure, because we have a we have a team to win now, and we can compete with the top te- top tier teams in the in the West. I'll literally Jamal Murray and, and and Jokic are off the table. You can have anybody else if we get Drew Holiday. Yeah, I I don't see that being a bad option. And very quickly, uh, Celtics reporter recently said that Danny Ainge has called at least one key Celtics player regarding the possibility of trading for Drew Holiday. And I can only imagine wow. I can only imagine who that one That's player Marcus is. That's Marcus Smart. That's Marcus Smart. It's either Marcus Smart or Kemba Walker cuz if Kemba Walker is going to have to take a back seat that's going to put a really bad taste in his mouth because I can see Drew Holiday starting over him and then Kemba Walker coming off the bench potentially as like a Well, if I could get rid of Kemba right now for Drew Holiday, I would do that in a heartbeat. Well, you could in do a You could do that as well. I just think moving forward if you look at free agents coming to Boston, if you're getting rid of Gordon Hayward and Gordon Hayward's not happy here and then you do that to Kemba Walker, you've done it to Isaiah Thomas in the past. And you trade away, you know, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, and that trade with Brooklyn. It's not a good look for Danny Ainge. I get it; it's a business. But you know, when a guy's what one year, two years into contract, and for Gordon Hayward, three years, eesh, that doesn't look good on your resume. So, I think the turnover. I I don't think he wants that high turnover. You know, when it comes to getting rid of Kemba Walker, I think in addition he could trade Gordon Hayward and possibly a first round pick. For Drew Holiday and have him either come off the bench or Kemba Walker, have them battle it out. Because ultimately, Giff, Drew Holiday's a better defender than Kemba Walker and has better size. So and he has better knees. Yes, that too. That too. So I think I you might be right. It might be Marcus Smart, but I think Kemba Walker might be the other guy that they're talking about too. So I think yeah, I think it ends up being Marcus Smart. Because um, they don't, they don't see eye to eye, right? Well, no, but I, I listen. You can any beef if you're all going to win, you can squash that. Oh, That's for sure. No problem. Yeah. Um. Bill, you know, Bill Simmons says any NBA beef is either over women or gambling. You <laughs> can squash that pretty quickly. But if you're the Celtics, I don't, I don't like Kemba's knee still being an issue a year after the case. I don't either. And if somehow. If that's the case. Kemba yeah. Into Drew Holiday. Now, here's how you spin it. You have turnover. Yeah, you have Gordon Hayward, but I think Gordon Hayward is more of a family thing. I don't think it's the city itself. But you can flip and you can spin to your fan base about the Kemba Walker deal because you can basically come out and say, "Look, obviously the trade was on the up and up. We thought the knee was getting better for Kemba, mm-hmm. but honestly, at this point, with the knee not getting any better, we had to look at our future um, potential. If we can get Drew Holiday and somehow flip Kemba Walker, we had to do it because that. And, yeah, and Boston Celtics fans, I think, would be fine with that because I think they're groaning as well as far as like, why is Kemba's knee still an issue? It's been a year afterwards, right? Um, so I think that's how you flip it to your fan base. That could be a huge storyline. I, I agree. And one more thing. Um, so, Paul Millsap, he's drawing interest from Trailblazers. And then also Lou Williams, he's in trade talks. Uh, potentially the Mavericks, they're interested. Uh, and they're willing to give up the 18th pick. So, um, 
Let's get into the NBA draft. Um, we'll do our semi mock draft, I guess you could call it. And uh, so you got number one pick. Let's do Minnesota. Who you got? I think if you're Minnesota and you draft LaMelo Ball, you get what you deserve. Yes. Because, especially with D'Angelo Russell, with um, um, Cat, um, Carl Anthony Towns there. Jared Culver, yeah. Jared Culver. Well, I'm talking about head cases. Oh, head cases, You have two guys who are pretty fragile when it comes to their confidence and when it comes to their position on the team. Right. I think if you draft LaMelo Ball, and by the way, still working on a shot, D'Angelo Russell's not a good shooter either, so automatically you're putting a backcourt together that can't shoot. You're already you're already down a stroke when it mm. comes to that. Correct. Um, I think if you're Minnesota, you need to take the best guy on the board. And as far as I'm concerned, it's Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Yes. Because physically he's there. He can shoot. I think he averaged 42% from three-point last year. Um and he's the most ready guy to go. And I think if you're looking to sell to your fan base, especially with the number one pick, listen, we got a guy that can fit in right now. I don't know if LaMelo Ball fits in for them right now. I really don't. Um, so I think it's Anthony Edwards. And it shouldn't be a hard decision. I know a lot of mock drafts are having LaMelo Ball go number one. But I, I think that's a terrible idea. I think if you're Minnesota and you've whiffed on a bunch of these picks. I think Cat's been the only pick that's been stuck so far. Right. And listen, I like Jared Culver, but didn't they get him in the second round? Yes. Like, it, was, it wasn't a first-round draft pick. So, um, I think you go with Anthony Edwards, and I don't think it's a tough decision. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Anthony Edwards' uh, comparison to him is Dwayne Wade with better shooting. So, I think that's a spot-on pick, and I, I agree with you. If they pick ball, that's not a good look. Um, for Golden State Warriors, for me, Gif, I, I just think they're missing one true rebounder slash pick-and-roll kind of player. Being able to be strong and tough in the paint for shooters and grab offensive rebounds is James Wiseman for Memphis, for me. Um, they are truly, if, if they get him alongside Klay Thompson and, and Steph Curry, you know, the Splash Brothers are back in town. And you got Draymond Green. They can now build off of their success that they've had in you know recent years, and it's been immense success. So James Wiseman can restart that that success and put you know Golden State Warriors into contention again. So I'm gonna go James Wiseman from uh, Memphis. I like that pick, and I also think that's a succession plan for Draymond as well, um, because look, I mean it was covered last year before the pandemic started. You know he can't shoot. He tries to shoot, um, and I think it's it's a good success. I think for Draymond, I think he's two or three more years um, under contract, yep. and I think it's a good succession plan for uh, for the Warriors. So, yeah, I, I think that's a solid pick, and I think, again, that's a no-brainer. Now, if LaMelo Ball goes number one and Minnesota is dumb, which isn't far-fetched at this point, can't you see Golden State just going – Uber mode and just going, screw it. We're going to pick Anthony Edwards and we're just going to put him on the wing and just set him up with, with Clay and Steph and Draymond and just let it rip. I can see that happening for sure. I, I think you go best player if, if you're Golden State. If Anthony Edwards is on the board, yes. 
And if, yeah. like you said, Minnesota picks ball, hands down, you go Anthony Edwards. But since Anthony sure. Edwards is off the board for me, yep. I'm going James Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman makes sense. Um, number three. <sighs> okay. The long I side. <laughs> I think for Charlotte, you don't do best player. I think for Charlotte, and no pun intended, I think you need best buzz. That's the guy. Now, whether it's a train wreck or whether it's not, you need the best buzz when it comes to a team like Charlotte. So I think here is where you go LaMelo. Um, listen, his plus, he has just as good, if not better, court vision than his brother. Yeah. Um, I think he's quicker. I think he's better defensively than his brother. Um, still can't shoot. And again, there's that risk that you run because he's playing overseas that he's not going to be as good. I think talent-wise, I think he, I think he's perfectly fine. Um, now, family-wise, if there's anybody who can keep that, can keep Lavar in check, I think it's Michael Jordan. Okay, I don't think any of the other owners want to touch it with a ten-foot pole. I think for MJ, it might be kind of a fun thing for him to do. It's a good just challenge, because, yeah. Just because he's a goat and he just wants to take on the challenge. Yes. Um, but I think here is where you go, Lamelo. And you start to build around him a little bit. So I think here, I think that's where that makes the most sense. Yeah, I want to see what they do with the number three pick. Because I, I hear, like we said, rumors about Russell Westbrook possibly going to the Hornets. But they don't want to give up the number three pick. Well, when the number three pick's left on the board and, you know, Houston calls up, you know, and say LaMelo Ball's gone... Um, you know, in Minnesota, and you have the choice of, you know, James Wiseman or, you know, Anthony Edwards, do, do you make that call and, and get Russell Westbrook? And that's ultimately what, what it's going to come down to um, for me. But don't sleep on Devontae Graham, people. I mean, Devontae Graham is, you know, he put up numbers last year and even in the bubble. So, um, I mean, before the bubble. So when I look at, you know, for, for Charlotte's standpoint, um, I do think it's BPA if, you know, Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman's left on the board. But I also might take the risk and call up Houston and see what they want for Russell Westbrook. Because I think Russell is exactly what MJ would want in a player. A gritty, competitive guy, you know, who could take over a franchise. Potentially, you know, he has the capability of do, you know, being a walking uh, triple-double. So why not have a guy fill the seats? And, you know, see what you can get out of them. But um, that's a risk. And I don't know if MJ is willing to risk that. So I, I think that's, you know, has to be, has to be seen. Um, talk By about- the way, just real quick, I think, um, I think if LaMelo Ball, so say for instance, if Charlotte dangles the number three pick yep. in front of Houston, yep. I think that's going to be a great representation on if James Harden is out the door or not. Because I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to rebuild. And if they trade Russ for somehow LaMelo Ball and people, I think Russ is, I don't, I think Harden isn't far behind Russ getting traded. So I think that's going to be a good litmus test. If somehow the number three pick gets thrown in and Charlotte gets Russ for the three pick and a bunch of other stuff, I think Harden is also out the door. Yeah. And, and to that point, I think Harden has a really bad taste in his mouth with the Maury situation. 
and, and I, I don't think he likes to reboot fashion and, you know, si- the, the coach Silas becoming the head coach. I, I don't think he'll thrive with him. I don't think he'll, you know, he'll be happy with it. Um, I think it is a show when it comes to, you know, Silas saying that, you know, he's really, really happy to, you know, team up with James Harden and Russell Westbrook because I, I don't foresee, you know, at least Westbrook sticking around. So um, talking about MJ's team, uh, the Chicago Bulls, I, I love this guy, Isaac uh, Okoro from Auburn. Um, he was a really catalyst for Bruce Pearl and that um, Auburn run throughout that tourney, uh, you know, championship run. And ultimately, this guy's a gritty, you know, kind of hard-nosed player, but he he knows how to score with ease, too. He, he reminds me of Jimmy Butler from a size standpoint and being able to defend, you know, all five positions and really bring bring it every single game like a Marcus Smart type of player and Jimmy Butler, as I said. So, um I think Chicago, you know, can't miss on this guy. I know a lot of mock drafts have him, you know, creeping down to, I believe, the 8 to 10 range. But I think Chicago takes a, you know, a shot at him. And, I mean, you got Zach Levine and Markinen, and you got Wendell Carter. So I think you have decent pieces. And why not throw, you know, a Kuro into the mix rather than going for a point guard like Killian Hayes. And, you know, you, you go after a guy like Okoro who you can depend on defensively and offensively consistently. So, Yeah, I mean, I think that's a smart move. I think with Chicago, you definitely have a lot of firepower there um, with marketing with Zach Levine, given he's still on the team. Who knows if they try and flip him. But given that, you know, if they try and keep him, um, I think there's enough firepower there. And I think you have to go with a glue guy. Um, so that makes perfect sense to me um and i think you know we'll we'll see what happens with that um i think if you're chicago you've kind of gone with the flashier picks now and i think like you said you need some some tough gritty defensive guys because right now that team defensively can't stop a nosebleed so you need some help um so i think i think that's a uh i think that's a smart move um I'm going to go with um, number five, Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm going to go a little outside of the loop here, and I'm going to go Killian Hayes, um, the point guard out of France. And and here's my my thought process behind it. Okay, and I know know Cleveland is gone. Um, They went Colin Sexton, and they went Darius Garland, and they still have Kevin Love, who's there pretty much in prison. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. It hasn't worked. And I think if you're Cleveland, this is the guy that I think people disagree on the most in the draft. Um, in regards to there's not really a consensus on where this guy goes. Um, True. Physically, physical talent-wise – He's top five. Yes. I think a lot of people are skeptical of his of his jump shot. I think people think that he can be really good defensively and that he can be a very um, good defender, first or second team defender later on down the line. We'll see if his shot develops. Here's the best and worst case scenario for Cleveland. Worst case scenario, this guy can't shoot, but he's still a really good defensive guy. I think there's a way that you could fit in Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and Hayes in a three-person kind of, you know, mix and match 
as far as the point guard position goes. Now, granted, none of those three guys are going to be super-duper stars on their own, but collectively they might be okay. So worst-case scenario, he brings some defensive presence to the backcourt. Best-case scenario, you know, the last two guys to come over from super, you know, from European leagues that you kind of were skeptical on their competition. Mm-hmm. Two of the bigger names were Giannis and were Luka. Right. Look how they turned out. So I think if you are Cleveland, you know who you are. You know there's not going to be a ton of free agents that are coming your way, and you know you have Kevin Love in jail right now. So what's the what's the problem about taking a risk at this point in time? Not much. Um, and I think honestly. Mix it up a little bit. Don't do the sure thing. Because you've done the quote-unquote sure thing with, you know, Darius Garland and with Colin Sexton, and they, they haven't moved the needle at all. So I think you you take best player available. And and for me at five, I think it's Killian Hayes. I, I think Killian Hayes is arguably the best player left um, on the board besides Patrick Williams, which we'll get into. Um, but I, I think Killian Hayes exactly right. You have him battle it out but the the issue that i have with cleveland is you took colin sexton how do you do you took darius garland you don't know how he's going to be you know be able to handle you know another point guard into the mix so i i just and, and they're young so you don't have to worry about their egos because they don't have anything to show for but ultimately when it comes to you know competition i think you'll you'll have those guys work it out but it's going to be tough, um, you know, to, to you know decide who who's the guy. Uh, but Hayes is a really good player, and he showed exactly what he is made of in France. Um, moving on to Atlanta, Denny Aviha uh, from Israel. He th- this guy has a, a unique sense of a way to play basketball. Um, he's just he's a very youthful player. He he knows he has really good vision. I think it's definitely um, a risk, but it's a risk you're willing to take. And if you look over the course of the years where, you know, you have overseas players, you know, you talk about Doncic, right? You talk about, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You take, you know, take a look at Ricky Rubio. Most of them have pan out. And this guy has great size. You know, he's a small forward. Um, he's he's six foot nine, 220. So he has the capability of, you know, being that prototypical, you know, small forward. But I'll tell you what, this this guy's vision is probably the best the best thing about him. You know, he averaged, I, I think, around at one of the uh, events that he played in, it was 24 points per game, six assists, and four steals per game. So offensively, defensively, he's definitely a guy that you can plug into your lineup and trust to play a two-way type of player. And I think at the same time, Trey Young will have a blast playing alongside of him. So I think Atlanta can't go wrong with this guy at where they're sitting at number six when he's projected to possibly be in the top five. So I think it's a steal at this point for Atlanta. Yeah, I saw, um, I saw, and I'm not really sure why I saw this, but um, this is going to kind of coincide with, with my pick at seven. Um, I saw a lot of people on draft boards do Tyrese Halliburton at six to Atlanta. And the thought process was, you know, worst case scenario, he's a backup point guard for, for, um, Trey Young. for Trey Young, but best case he can go right next to him and shoot threes. Now, look, I know Atlanta is kind of going for the whole, um, 
you know, Houston or, you know, uh, later 2000s, you know, Phoenix Suns viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But listen, at the end of the day, you got to get somebody who's going to play lick of defense, right? So I think, I think, um, I think I've got makes sense for them because more of a grittier guy, you know, glue guy again. So that's why I went Tyrese Halliburton, number seven for Detroit, because I think this helps out a couple of reasons. Their point guard position, Derek Rose is there, granted, but I think if you're looking, if you're in the, if you're going to be a decent team in the NBA, your point guard position has to be on lockdown. That's just one of those positions that if somehow you're missing out, you're kind of behind the eight ball on that. So regardless of how many years that Derek Rose has left, I think you have to look for a transition plan, especially at the point guard position, because they obviously got rid of Reggie Jackson um, and Derek Rose came in. He's had a little bit of a resurgence there, mm-hmm. but I think you go Halliburton because he can shoot the three really well. So he can actually play with Rose. If you decide to do some lineups with him and Halliburton out there with um, Blake Griffin, who you can do pick and pops with either Rose or Halliburton. Um, and again, he's a three and D guy, right? He, he can he can shoot shoot it from the um, from the three point and play defense on the left. So I think Halliburton here makes sense for a couple of different reasons. You can give him playing time with Derrick Rose, but eventually, if Derrick Rose either retires or moves on to another team, I think Halliburton can move in there and, and be the starting point guard moving forward. Yeah, I don't disagree. the The one question I do have is they they say he's like Ben Simmons, like prototypical player. With his size, his length, his vision. Derrick Rose likes to have the ball in his hands because that's what he is great at. And so my my honest question would be, does you know Detroit walk into the same problem as Philly did with Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons? Now Derrick Rose is older, definitely a lot older, but I just look at Derrick Rose wanting to have the basketball in his hands, um, but he's going to have to take a little bit load off and give it to Halliburton. So... I, I don't disagree with you, Giff. I, I think he's definitely a good player uh, for them in that position. I just think that's a question that needs to be asked internally. Um, you know, do you take away the ball from from Derrick Rose? So um, I don't think you'll have to because I think Halliburton can shoot it better than Fultz or Simmons could ever do it. Agreed. So I think I, I think if you if you do that, I think the transition can be all right. Well, maybe let's start him off ball, see what happens with Rose for the next couple of years. And if he transitions elsewhere or retires, then, you know, that's a pretty good pick and pop with, with Halliburton and, um, you know, Blake Griffin pick and roll. So I think I understand your point, but I think Fultz and Simmons couldn't shoot as good as Halliburton can. Agreed. So I think that's the difference between the two. So I think he can be a little bit more flexible with D. Rose and Halliburton than you can with, with Simmons and Fultz. No, yeah, I can definitely see it. Moving on to the Knicks again. That might be a Russell Westbrook trade if they're willing to give up the eighth pick in a package for, say, Kevin Knox and you know Mitchell Robinson. That could be easily done uh, for the Knicks. You know, to get him in a Knicks uniform might be exactly what they need uh, with Leon Rose running you know the show now. Um, but ultimately, where I think they go with that pick is Aaron uh, Naismith. Um, mind you, he's named after one of the greats. The guy that invented basketball, Naismith. Um, no, no pressure. No pressure at all. Um, he did shoot, I, I believe, around was it fifty two percent from the the three point arc um, in two thousand nineteen. 
Now, the issue that I have, Giff, is they played 14 games. They didn't go into the tournament. And this is for the entire you know draft for, for the collegiate guys. So they didn't really have a, a much of a showing to prove what they're capable of. You know, in years past, like, example, Damian Lillard made his name in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, Jarrett Culver made his name, you know, against uh, in Texas Tech uh, when they went, you know, toe-to-toe in the national championship against Virginia. So when, when I look at this guy's capability, he, he looks great. And he, he is like a 3-and-D kind of guy, but, you know, he, he scores around right around like 23, 24 points per game. And that's exactly what the Knicks need. And why not R.J. Barrett become a true playmaker in what he's capable of doing rather than four shots, allow himself to become a playmaker off the ball and have Naismith in the corner around the perimeter for three. So I think that's a weapon that they honestly need. And I think he can, you know, it would be a plug-and-play type of situation with this kid. So Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it. I think any time that, you know, and I think we found out pre, uh, obviously pre-pandemic last year that I think R.J. Barrett can be um, a pretty good player in the league. So sure. I think any time you get a top three pick and, and you you don't hit on him, you know, 100%, it's not like a, you know, Dame Lillard or Trey Young or what have you, but he shows some promise. I think you try to do the, the things that best um, free him up to do his job. Yes. So for R.J. Barrett, I think he's more of a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um needs to improve upon his shooting, but I think when you do that, you end up trying to put guys around him to either help alleviate some of the uh, playmaking capabilities or enhance it by getting a guy who can complement him correctly. Right. Um, so I think that um, it's a it's a smart move from the Knicks, which um, you don't really get a lot of. So uh, I can probably see them trading for Westbrook and James Dolan getting desperate at this point. Agreed. And I can them keeping um, keeping Naismith. But, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't know if Russ would want to go to the Knicks. I think he might have some stay there as well. Um, they just seem like a dumpster fire. But they might give him the keys to the castle too. So, who knows. Um, you know, going to nine. Um, God, the, they're terrible. Yeah, they're the bad. Yeah. There's, they suck so bad. Um, I'm shocked Bradley Beal wants to stay. but Wow. Anytime I'd be getting paid $40 million too, I might stay too. Um, I'm going to go on Yeka Ogonku here. And here's the reason why. I think with John Wall, whatever the hell he's going to play, and I think with Bradley Beal, um, I think you need a more versatile type of front court player because taking a look at their roster from last year you have David Bertans uh, who opted out you got Rui Hachimura you got Wagner um, Isaac Ball you got a bunch of guys who kind of they're what they are yeah they're they're not flexible you can't plug and play with them Bertans is more of of a three guy who is an undersized power forward who's probably going to get bullied in post. Correct. Hachimura is a, a big, you know, a bigger body guy, but you're probably not going to help him. He's probably not going to help you on the perimeter. I think with um, Ongongwu, I think 
that gives you a little bit more flexibility to do what you want. He can play small forward if you want to go big. He can play power forward if you want to go small. Um, I think he's a good pick-and-roll option with Bradley Beal. I think he's a better pick-and-roll option than any of the big guys I just sent for Washington. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I think you go with him there. Um, and then, again, even if you want to play super small, he can play center too. So I think he's just versatile. You're not going to get a ton of offensive help from him, but I think you know, more of a defensive rebounder guy. And, you know, they, they definitely needed Washington because defensively they were one of the worst teams in the league last year. That, that might be, honestly, like my favorite pick, uh, gift that you said. Um, I, I think he, he fits perfectly in what they need. So uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. Moving on to Phoenix, okay? Phoenix just made a trade, as we alluded to. Um, CP3 goes to Phoenix. They gave up Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Jalen uh, Jalik, um, and then they gave up their first-round pick. Uh, for you know this this upcoming draft um, in years in in years to come. Sorry. So a guy that comes to my mind that has that grit, that mentality, really hard nosed player, two way player, can get his own at any point in any time is Patrick Williams of SSU, FSU. And, and you looked at the way Oklahoma City Thunder played, how hard they played defensively. You know, group, um, you know, group rebounding. They have the capability of you know making their name in every single game. And Monty Williams is a really good coach, and he just has these guys playing at an all-time high. You know, coming from the bubble. So I think Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Pat Williams, and then you add in DeAndre Ayton. I think this team is definitely you know a fun team to watch in the West. They might be you know maybe five to eight playoff playoff mark um, only because I like Monty Williams and that Chris Paul, that tandem. But Patrick Williams is exactly what that team needs. Again, he's feisty. He's gritty. He's going to have to get, you know, he's going to have to get buckets the hard way, but he does have the capability of scoring with these two. So he's really a hybrid player that you can just plug in. And like I said, he's going to give it his all with Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Phoenix. So, He's one, probably one of my favorites to watch in this draft. Yeah, um, I I like that pick a lot. And I think if you're Phoenix, and I think, again, you have a lot of firepower on the offensive end. You have DeAndre Ayton, you have um, Devin Booker, and you have Chris Paul. Um, so I think with that, you have to, again, it's a glue pick. Yes. And, and honestly, I think this draft, because of the kind of lack of star power, quote-unquote, I think you're going to find a lot of glue guys in this draft. So you might get actually a lot longer term professionals oh for draft. sure it just might not be the you know lebrons or you know the, the higher level guys who are super duper stars i think you're going to get a lot of glue guys in this draft um transitioning into pick 11 for san antonio wow it's weird to see san antonio picking in the in the lottery that's it, strange it um, i like devin vassal here from florida state um i think if San Antonio is going to do anything, I think they're going to pick a guy who is a little bit older. And now a sophomore in this draft is basically like a senior or a fifth-year senior at that point. Um, and he shoots three as well. And I think also San Antonio has the mindset of succession plan. Mm -hmm. And I think um, DeMar DeRozan, um, 
who knows? I know he's been kind of on the trading block a little bit as far as rumors go. Yeah. So I think for them, um, I think it's all about succession plan, and I think they realize how important the shooting guard is, especially in their system. Um, so I think they take him, and then worst-case scenario, they throw him in there as a, as a rookie and see what they have. But best-case scenario, he can, um, you know, he can go under DeMar and, um, you know, uh, and Aldridge and, um, you know, kind of see what they have with him. But they, they, that just kind of seems like a them pick. Again, 3 and D guy, which they basically grow in trees there in San Antonio. So that's, that's kind of my... My, my pick for it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's exactly what um, the San Antonio Spurs want. And I, I think it's it, it's like a Danny Green type of situation again. So um, I definitely agree with that pick. Um, again, watch out for the Spurs, as you alluded to, to make some serious moves in order to, you know, start rebuilding this. Because I think DeMar DeRozan, you know, they're, they're in conversations with the Lakers. It's been reported. Um, for possibly Kyle Kuzma and like a pick, um, so maybe I would do that in a heartbeat. I I think I would do that if I'm San Antonio and if you're the Lakers. Yeah, you have more star power along Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so I can fully see that happening. Um, but nonetheless, I I think it's re- it's it's a really good move for San Antonio to look at, you know, possibly what's going to happen within the near future. So. And you got Deontay Murray coming back from injury, so it seems like you got the right leader. Um, Sacramento, for me, man, it's always tough because they they just never have, for whatever reason, the right mold, the right pieces in order to make a, a strong push um, at a potential playoff run. And I, I believe it's Sadiq Bey uh, for Villanova. I, I think he's ultimately a guy that you know, would plug in well, you know, DeAndre Fox and, you know, they got Buddy Heald. And I, I just, I can't stop looking at Sacramento and saying, when are they going to make that turn? You know, because they were good back in the day with Chris Webber and Mike Bibby and, you know, Doug Christie and all these type, Paige Stoyakovich. But ultimately, when do they make that turn? And I don't think necessarily Sadiq Bey helps them get over the hump because I think they're a team that you could possibly trade you know, try to have them trade in the top five pick um, just to make a run at, maybe throw Buddy Heald and that pick together. But ultimately, let's just be real. The Sacramento Kings are not going to win the draft because of Sadiq Bay. So if they get him, great. He's another piece to their puzzle, but they have a massive, massive puzzle to, to you know, put together. So um, I'm going to go with Bay. Yeah, I mean, I like it. And I think, too, if you're, God, if you're Sacramento, like how many times are you going to, pick in the lottery um to get good so yeah. i think you know and, and you're still okay like at this point like it seems like they've been you know picking in the in the in the lottery for like 10 consecutive years now so um yeah i don't mind it i mean i don't mind the pick um i think uh yeah i just it's a solid pick and i think if you're sacramento you just need solid guys at this point um okay so my pick for New Orleans at 13, um, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. And I'm going to go with Jalen Smith from Maryland. And here's why. If you take a look at the New Orleans um, roster right now, um, very heavy with small forward, point guard, um, shooting guard. Obviously, Zion is your power forward of the future. Yes. 
but he's not a center. Okay, I know he's six eight, six nine, and I know he's a brick shit house, but he's not. You don't have that tall guy. You don't have that big guy to compliment him correctly. And I think what you do with Jalen Smith here is I think you you get a big, can stretch the floor, mm-hmm. um, and I think you can get a little bit creative with him. Um, he can play on the block, but he can also stretch it out. You know, thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven. Uh, per, percent from three and I think you can complement that team in a way to where I think they're most effective when all of the players on the floor are not interchangeable but they can be threats one through five can be a threat either on the block driving or from three mm-hmm. and I think that's how you create an identity with that with that team uh, obviously Lonzo is not going to be you know super um good from the perimeter but I think I mean I think JJ Reddick's gone who knows if Drew Holiday's gone but I think Brandon Ingram was a lot better from three this year um Josh Hart has shown some you know some some shown some uh promise from three um Zion can do it so I think if you're a team and you want to be in that if you want to have an identity I think one through five the guys around there if they're interchangeable or they're threats from anywhere on the basketball court I think that's how you create an identity and a thread pretty much all the way through. So um, for me, I think, you know, Jalen Smith is a little bit off the board, but I kind of like the, I like Zion at power forward. I don't like him at center. So I think you need to match him up with somebody there. Yeah. I think you need a guy that can set screens and really be like a force down low. And Jalen Smith has been proven to do that. Um, I, I just think, they, they might be a team that might trade up for Killian Hayes, you know, maybe at four or five, because ultimately if they get rid of Drew Holiday, which they plan on doing so, um, why not get Killian Hayes and have him run point? Because at this point, I just, I don't think Lonzo Ball is the answer at point guard. You know, he might be a good, like an assist guy, but you so have... So do you try and flip Lonzo then? I, I would, and you don't have to get a lot for him, right? You can just get like a, you know possibly a, a second round pick for him because at this point I don't think he's worth a lot I don't and I know you traded Anthony Davis to to get him you know part of that puzzle but you got Brandon Ingram I think that's all you want yeah, Brandon, so. Brandon Ingram was the piece of that trade so if you, exactly. if you trade off something else I think that's fine right but I think Killian Hayes can take the workload off of Zion because Zion needs workload off of him because he's a force he uses his body, you know, immensely. It's a wear and tear type of league too. So the way he's built, he's he's built like LeBron. Let's just be honest. He's he's big, right? And he's statured. But at the same time, you gotta somehow take the wor- workload off of him because you're gonna have Brandon Ingram. But Killian Hayes is exactly like the puzzle piece that would be perfect, perfect for New Orleans. So I wouldn't be shocked if they try to sneak into the top five, maybe six. Um, to try to get Killian Hayes. Um, but I don't mind the Jalen Smith pick. I think Boston, at this point, yes, they need they need a guy that can defend, and they need a guy that can score. Um, you know, you, you need help in the, you know, in the bigs department um, because you don't have that defensive big that can really shut down, you know, the paint. Ultimately, they go with R.J. Hampton. I think R.J. Hampton is... Your bonafide scorer slash B 
being able to, you know, defend multiple guys. And, and you know Brad Stevens and, and the Celtics. They love versatility. If you can guard one through five, you're going to get playing time. And do they have too many of those guys? Possibly. But R.J. Hampton's a really good scorer, and he'll probably get you 15 to 20 points per game. Um, do they have a guy similar to, like, in Romeo Langford? Yes. So... It wouldn't shock me, Giff, if they do package this pick in Gordon Hayward and try to get like a Miles Turner out of it. But if if I were to keep the pick, it would be RJ Hampton from New Zealand. And ultimately, it's because they need a score if Gordon Hayward walks. So, and I think RJ Hampton is probably the best player on the board. Maybe you go Cole Anthony, but Cole Anthony's too tiny. I, I think he's not going to be that efficient in the league because of his height and size. So I'm going to go RJ Hampton. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, um, I, I think that's a good pick. Um, I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts where they pick uh, Cole Anthony. Uh, and I think that's a trash pick. Um, I, I don't like him there at all. I think defensively, um, he was getting eaten alive. Um, he getting eaten alive. Yeah, he's getting eaten alive. Yeah. So yeah, I like your pick, um, and I think that, um, yeah, man, I, I think that's a good pick overall. Yeah, and you know, talking about the Celtics moving forward, like I said, a three and D type of player they need. They need a big. They need a score if Gordon Hayward goes away. So I think it'd be a blessing in disguise if Gordon Hayward does leave, because then they can utilize that other cash and try to fulfill those needs and maybe get a guy, like I said, R.J. Hampton or a package up, you know, that pick. Um, but ultimately, they have to figure out exactly, you know, the missing piece because we saw it last year in the bubble and even in the playoffs. They just couldn't, you know, work down low. Um, Bam Adebayo had his way, and, you know, Agaku is a guy that they could possibly trade up for. So um, I ultimately think, like I said, Gaff, see a lot of, you know, teams trying to get into the top five, top ten pick, try to get the, the best players available, which would probably be in the top five. Um, because, like you said, there's not a lot of superstar talent. And if you have, like, a middle-of-the-pack kind of pick, you're getting a middle-of-the-pack kind of guy. And that's just the way it goes. And, like I said, a lot of the experience didn't come in the NCAA tournament. So a lot of these guys haven't, you know, been able to prove themselves. So uh, with that being said, I know we got a big busy week here. Uh, long podcast, but um, any final thoughts? No, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the draft. Uh, I think it's more about the moves that people can make. Yes. For moves that teams can make versus the actual guys that are being drafted. So, uh, yeah, man, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh, we appreciate again Jose Youngs from MMAfighting.com joining us to talk about MMA and making, making Gifts Week even better than what it was. And it's only Monday, Gaff. we got a long week here. So um, we appreciate you all listening in. Go Seas. We'll listen to um, you know, the NBA draft on Wednesday. And again, NBA free agency starts on Friday. And that's when you'll start really seeing what's going to happen to James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Victor Oladipo, Gordon Hayward, you name it. Tune in next week. We'll break it all down. See you. Later.